This is crazy. This is absolutely insane. Such at a loss for words. I mean, I'll find them, don't worry. Do I like playing against adversity? Man, I just like playing, period. I'm just I'm shocked and I'm so proud of our guys, man. Unbelievable. Putting the crest on every single time means something to me. I'm Marcelo Balboa, and you're listening to the U.S. Soccer Podcast. With Jordan and Charlie! Oh, sorry. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the U.S. Soccer Podcast. I'm Jordan Angeli, and of course, I'm joined by Charlie Davies. What's up, man? Uh, you know, we're, we're getting to the end of 2020. I think everybody's really looking forward to that. And, you know, that start of, of 2021 is going to give everyone a little bit more energy, a little pep in their step. Because we're we're all changing for the better. What I about you? That. I'm I'm doing well. You know, I feel like um, things are going well. I like this time of year in general when it's playoffs, and we'll get to that in a little mm. bit. But you mm-hmm. can just feel it, right? the The weather has changed, and it's just there's a little bit more excitement in the air. Um, you know, with the holiday seasons, but also just really it's do or die when it comes to these, these games. So it's fun to be a part of that. And um, we both will have something to say and, and to inspire our teams, right. That we get to work for. So um, it's crazy to think though, it's December. And also say that we know it's been a really challenging and heartbreaking year for many people. And um, one of the things I've learned about you and cause I've known this about myself is like, we're really empathetic people. And I've learned that about you through this podcast. And I think that when we see people in these challenging situations, in these heartbreaking situations, we really feel for them. So um, we just want to say that we understand that this has been a tough year, but hopefully um, through the midst of it, when you're listening to the podcast, you can smile a little bit and uh, be inspired by some of the stories that we've been able to share. I think you you hit the nail on the head is, is all of the, 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 the influential people, the, the powerful people that we've had um, stop by and, and, and have these conversations with us have shared some of the most difficult of situations that they've had in their life, the adversity and how the, the positive mentality has always had them, you know, really rise to the occasion and, and rise above it. And so uh, with that being said, like you said, 2020 has been difficult. It's been really difficult, but you can draw so much motivation and inspiration from, from all the conversations we've had. And uh, it's really just being positive and knowing the end is is near. We, we are going to get to a point where we can move forward as a nation. We can move forward um, as a country. And we have so much ahead of us. When you look yeah. at the U.S. Men's National Team, how they're 9-0 and this year. We can talk about the U.S. Men's National Team, how they have all these budding stars. And the Olympics are next year and Gold Cup. And I'm I'm amped. I'm ready for I'm everyone. And I know everyone I've talked to is ready for 2021. So you know that. Um, and I think one silver lining of COVID was also being able to get this podcast yes. off the ground. Like we've loved getting to, uh, you know, the, to bring you episodes nearly every week since the start of May, talking with everyone from the general managers um, of our national teams, Kate Margraf and Brian McBride to legends uh, of the game like Mia Hamm and Tim Howard and the current generation of national team stars like Samantha Mewis and Tyler Adams. So um, in all of them, you were, you know, we try and dig a little bit to get you those stories and, and dive into the moments that really made them 
as players and people. So thank you for listening. Um, yeah. I'm really grateful for, for meeting you, Jordy, um, for reconnecting. Uh, I was going to say, come um, on, man. Yeah, no, just reconnecting. It's been <sighs> a long time. And, it has uh, been a long time. It, yeah, it, it's been it's been awesome. But wh- how about that? How about how cool the soccer world is that you can reconnect with someone after so many years? Like Charlie, I don't know if we've actually talked about this, but Charlie and I met when we were playing in the McDonald's All-American game back in, oh gosh, 2004. 2004. Yeah. And so that that little, and I think secretly like we rooted for each other, like all those people that were in that game as we continued our careers and we went across the country and played collegiately and professionally, we rooted for each other. And it's so cool that this soccer world is what it is. And we've seen that throughout the entire year. Uh, one of the m- moments I think um, that was one of the hardest, but one of the moments where we see humanity come together is the passing of Daryl Grove and just how mm-hmm. the soccer world came together with that as well. So um, there's been a lot to learn this year. And I think we've, when we've gone through these conversations, Charlie, we get to tap into the struggle yes. and, and learn from what the struggle has taught all these people and also get to celebrate these highs that everybody has had. So let's go into a couple of maybe of our favorite moments from what we got to do these past Gosh, since May, how many months is that? I'm not great at math. <laughs> uh, six? <laughs> I think it's six. I don't know. <laughs> um, what we got to learn. What you eight. like? We're going on eight. Um, is it eight? Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, yeah, like May to December. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I, I look back, uh, Marcelo Balboa's uh, interview that we had with him, and and him talking about going down with that ACL just just before that 1994 world cup it's the first world cup in our country and um i I know you know him really well so uh just just talking about you know how he came to be the 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 man he is today i thought that was awesome you know the argentinian influence um and and just that grind the way he played i I loved learning about marcelo balboa i liked too from that conversation was when he was talking about his hikes and why he goes on hikes and how he feels like his his really good friend, uh, Fernando Clavijo, who he had a really great relationship with and um, was a big inspiration in those moments that you just mentioned, that that's where he feels him most. And I think that that is what stood out to uh, me about that podcast. Like it gives me chills just thinking about it. There's always special people in your life when yes. certain things happen. They're always there no matter what. Fernando's not here for me, but I can feel him on my hikes. I saw him about, God, about eight months ago. I just, out of the corner of my eye, saw this blue shadow as I was hiking because he always said he wanted to join me on my hikes. And uh, all of a sudden, I, I froze up. I couldn't move. I had chills. And I called Martha. And I'm like, did Fernando ever wear a blue sweatshirt? Or, or did he? Did... She goes, cello. She sent me a picture. His favorite sweatshirt was the blue sweatshirt I saw while I was hiking. So it was, he's, he's oh always, gosh. no matter what, and God rest his soul, he's not with us because of cancer, but he, um, everywhere I go, man, he's, he, he'll always be there. He'll always be that guy. Yeah, that, that one definitely comes to mind. Um, Stu Holden, uh, you know, you and him can relate uh, really, truly, deeply uh, with the ACL tears um, and, and the knee problems. And, uh, you know, imagine going in, under the knife thinking I'm going to come back, come out of this and, and feel good and be ready to go. They're just going to do a little cleanup and then hearing, ah, 
you're out a year. We did a oh. microfracture surgery without you knowing you got a year. We, we yeah. made a mistake. Oh, I mean, talk about the resilience to bounce back from that. Mm-hmm. And to balance that, Charlie, with what he was able to experience in his career and him telling the story of celebrating the goal that he scored with his family in the stands Mm. and recalling that moment and just the adversity that he uh, faced losing his father and um, how that moment will always like, you could feel the moment when he was describing it and, and the love that was not only for his country and what he got to do in that moment, but also for his family and how proud they were of him and vice versa. There was just, um, so much in that and let's let's have a listen my first game of the olympics my mom and and my dad who ended up passing away a year after like he was in the stands for that game and that moment and i never forget marvell Wynn cuts the ball back uh they miscleared it it falls to me like eight ten yards out and i hit like a swib kick with my left foot and it like kind of skirted under the goalie's uh uh, you know, his, his outstretched arms. And it, I don't even think it hit the back of the net. It was like, just went in. And I celebrated with like airplane into the scrum and I blacked out. And one of my favorite pictures I have, Charlie, I actually need to get it framed is like me on the bottom of the dog pile and everybody on top and just screaming. And then my mom actually told me the story after my dad had passed, but that when that goal went in, the two of them had this like moment where they both looked at each each other and like the world stopped around them and she said they just like grabbed each other and were jumping up and down and crying and like that visual in my head yeah. just gives me goosebumps still because you, you think about that like I have kids now you know I, I, I have kids now and I think about that if that was my daughter or my son and it's, it's a memory I carry with me for my dad honestly because it was like it, his son scored in the Olympics. Like it, it yeah. was pretty cool to, to hear. I don't that. know if you're trying to make me tear up or what. Yeah. <laughs> that, that one, hit, that, you, that one hit me deep. Payback. You've done that enough to me in your life. my yeah, brother. You, you've, <laughs> that, that one hit deep. Yeah, that was great. Um, I mean, you can feel it. You can mm. feel it. Every word when, when, when we have these kind of conversations, another one of my favorites. Wait, is, can we just talk about the banter though? In that episode. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was on an all time. It was on. An it was. Level. Stu's yeah, a funny yes. dude, and also I felt like I had to. I had to up my game mm-hmm. for that podcast with you and Stu. I was like <laughs> feeling extra spicy. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you were locked in. Yeah, I, I was. I, I give you a Focused. ton of props. Yeah. Um, Mia Hamm, the goat. Oh my uh, gosh! What about her talking about, uh, you know, looking back on her career and reflecting on on what she did and how the impact she had on, on so many kids' lives, like myself, not just girl, young girls, just all kids, boys and girls, and, and having that power to grow the sport um, at a time when we really needed it, piggybacking off the 90, 1994 World Cup success that um, you know really awakened uh, this country to, to the wonderful sport. Uh, let, let's have a listen. I mean, you guys know this is what we grow up wanting to be a part of. And to know that it was happening in our backyard and then unsure of how many people were going to come and kind of watch you play and then pulling into the stadium and seeing thousands upon thousands of people dressed out in your kits and tailgating and getting ready for your match. Um, You know, seeing Tom Brokaw at your training session, (laughs) like, I was like, is he, is that Tom Brokaw at our session there? 
And Aaron Heifetz is like, oh yeah, he he wants to talk to you guys. You guys are a big thing. And, um, you know, seeing more player, more fans at our training sessions than we had at our games in the first, you know, three to four years that I played on the national team. And then hearing the stories after we won, I remember specifically going to New York and um, walking along the streets and people saying, you could hear, like the city was quiet during the PKs. And then when Bry saved that PK, he goes, you could hear people screaming all over the place, like wow. in New York City. I was like, really? And he's like, it was amazing. He goes, and then when Brandy, um, you know, scored the winning shot, it was it was pandemonium in the city. And I, like, it still gives me goosebumps because like I said, sometimes you think the only people that were watching were the ones that were in that stadium. And to know, not just for our team, but for the game, that we had been able to grab, um, you know, the world's attention that way. Charlie, I love that you talked about Mia Hamm because she transcended that team and she transcends really the sport to now. She talked about the future of the national team and what's happening right now, what she's doing with Angel City FC. Yes. But also we got a real insight into her and who she was as a teammate when we talked to Lori Lindsay and she just talked about how her time with the Washington spirit in, I believe it was the first league in Woosa when she got to play with Mia Hamm, how special that was for her to grow her game. I think the Washington freedom was a real um, integral part, integral part of like my development because mm-hmm. I had players like Mia Hamm was, was there and we became like instant friends. We were our roommates a lot. Yeah, exactly. And you know, she's quiet and she's, but she's funny. And so, and like, there's just something about her where we just kind of got each other. In my opinion, I'd be interested if she'd be like, yeah, right. Lori. Um, but, <laughs> so, um, you're, so you're saying you're funny. Yeah, exactly. She thought I was funny. <laughs> right. I think I'm funny. No, I, just, <laughs> you I are thought funny. she was funny. Um, but like, I could tell that she had a belief in me that like, I remember her saying to like, when I got called into the 2000, or the unfortunately the league had folded for the WPS, or excuse me, the WSA, sorry. Um, and then the league folded and I was called into national team residency before the 2004 Olympics. And I was cut right before the Olympics, but Mia pulling me aside and being like, hey, listen, like, if you would have played like this in 2003 in our final year of the WSA, like you're playing now, we would have won that championship game because we lost in the final um and like those things and the belief in some of my teammates and stuff really is what kept me going. Another one of my favorite moments, although probably not one of his favorite moment, moments, is Marisa Du's goal in the 2010 World Cup was called back. He thought he scored. He celebrated. His family you know, was there. Everything was going well. And then just to see the ref had blown a phantom uh-huh. foul. Um, unfortunate for Mo, but let's hear his side of the story. And so the game just shaped itself and it, it just was like, Hey, this is, it's kind of written for us now. Like we, there's definitely a game winner in, a, in there for us. I didn't think it was going to be me. And we get that set piece. Normally I'm one of the guys who sits back to kind of put out fires a little bit more defensive minded on those set pieces, letting, you know, the bigger guys get forward and whatnot. And so I'm at the top of the box and I'm kind of just moving around, just casually walking side to side. 
kind of just peeping what my my defender defender is doing and he's not he's not paying me much mind at all he's kind of just passive so i'm like all right me and benny just had this combo so i'm gonna take a gamble so i kind of time my run with landon's run as he's as he's approaching the ball make my way through the box pretty effortlessly because like, like i said my guy's not really marking me or paying me much mind i don't know how the ball got through everybody but somehow it gets through everybody finds its way hits my left foot back of the net and at that point, I, to Charlie's point, I thought, this is it. This is, I wrote this as, a, this was in my script from a kid as a child. Like, you know, I'd, yeah. I'd been dreaming of this moment and it's finally here. So I take off. I don't even know what I thought my celebration was going to be. And I knew our, my parents were, or my mom and my brother were in the corner right there closest to us. So I just like started sprinting that direction and was going to just freestyle some kind of celebration. And then I hear a whistle and I'm like, what? Like, yeah, you're like I didn't hear that. I, I'm nah, not hear that. Like, can't be real there's no way he's calling anything against us and it wouldn't make sense to call a penalty because we scored so so that just gets cut short I'm jogging back we're all kind of yelling at him arguing with him and and yeah I mean I think at that point it kind of clicked for me like hey you probably should get back because if anything happens it's going to be on you compared <laughs> compared to anybody else so I just jogged back while the guy is still arguing and then post game same thing we, he has no answer for us like literally no answer Charlie, what I found really interesting is we got to talk to a couple of your teammates from that 2010 World Cup team, and I wanted to know more from their perspective of what it was like to not have you around, right? Because you were such a big part of that team, not only on the field, but you've got charisma, buddy. And I think that you uh, also had a lot to do with who that team was off the field and their persona. Um, what were those moments like for you to hear them talk about, I'm sure you've talked about it to them before, but, um, just the, the, your impact on them and the team as they competed in South Africa for a world cup. Jordy, the funny thing is I, I haven't had those conversations really kind of stayed, stayed away from talking about the emotional part of, of not being there with, with the guys. And I never really had those conversations with Mo about, you know, why they, they chose to call me in that moment to share that experience with me and how much that meant to me, but to hear why and what was behind it, uh, was, was, was touching. Um, for me, it was one of those moments where you realize a, a lifelong dream is gone that, and you had it, um, in your hands. So to see everyone that you were with along the way, um, all those memorable moments off the field is a lot of the, a lot of the times I think of uh, the the chemistry we had in the hotel rooms and playing Jenga and playing poker and hiding and you know uh, scaring each other and and the jokes the banter it was at an all time level the the playing music before the matches mm -hmm. everyone has their own kind of quirks before matches you know this their their uh, you know ways of of putting on their boots and you know have the giant massive headphones and it was just one of those things where it's almost like all these moments flash before your eyes. And as they're talking about it, you're like, man, I really do miss that, that team feeling. Um, but at, at the same time to hear them say, you know, how they were behind me and, and how much I meant uh, to the team and that they were thinking about me throughout, throughout the tournament, that, that it's priceless. There, there's no, there's not a price you could put on um, th those feelings, those memories. And I'm forever grateful for, for um, those relationships, you know, Tim Howard to Gooch Anyewu to Stu to Mo to Landon to Clint, um, all these players who, who had a real influence, uh, DeMarcus, 
uh, all these players had a real influence on my career and, and in the way I've kind of, um, shaped my life. So, uh, I really appreciate, um, hearing it from, from them firsthand and I'm hearing it just like you for the yeah. first time. And, oh. and, uh, yeah, it's hard. I don't want to cry because yeah. it's, it puts me in that kind of mood, but, yeah. um, yeah. Well, we're not going to cry, but it's yeah. cool. But we could, if you want to, <laughs> no, I, no, I'm no, always up no, for a good cry. No, to be honest. no, I've cried enough. Sometimes you just got to let it out. That's true. But I think, I think what you were saying in trying to say there is like, you're not going to cry because I think it's, we're celebrating those moments right now. And I think that it's, it's really cool to be a part of that and to hear you have those natural reactions to what they were saying. And even right now, just to what you said, um, I didn't know that you hadn't heard those things before. So it's pretty cool that we get to share those moments with people, um, here in the podcast. One of the things, like if we talk overall theme, some of these women we talked about, let's talk about some of these women, mom power, right? You got that right. We started it off with Kate Markgraf, twins, like twins and came back to play soccer. Are you kidding me? I I don't understand. Shannon Box, we talked to Stephanie Cox, all these women about how they had humans and then came back and played at the highest level. Mm -hmm. It's just super impressive to me. And we even heard Vlako Anonofsky this week talk about how proud and how, um, how he loves to see what Alex Morgan is doing for herself and going to get more games in England. Um, but one of the cool things is just the inspiration these women give to their children and that their children get to experience being with these really strong, um, loving, caring, uh, eager to win and succeed all these women in the locker room, um, that they get to experience that at such a young age is so cool. But I think my favorite takeaway when Steph Cox was talking about how she has her gold medal and what did her, what exactly did her kids call it? Mommy's special medal or something? The golden medal. Yeah. The golden, the golden medal. medal. It, you know, it, it also just lets them know that it's possible, right? This, this, this crazy achievement playing at the, the world's highest level in sports mm-hmm. is achievable. It's, yes. it's not out of the realm of possibility. So I think that's important for her kids to see. And, and I love the fact that it's right up there, second floor. You walk upstairs and bam, it's right there. Yeah. This is mommy's golden medal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so cute. Oh, man. Um, and, and I got I got to give a shout out to Samantha Mewis. I mean, Sam, Sammy Sammy Mewis is, is from Massachusetts, from Boston. Um, you know, there's not too many people that come out of new England who can play at, at the, the world's you know highest level uh, and playing at the world stage and shining. And f- for me, just seeing her grow and continue to get better and playing pickup soccer with her um, ahead of that, that world cup and, and seeing, man, she really, she has all these tools. Like she was balling on a lot of these, these, you know, former pros, current pros, division one players. And she was like, you know, holding her own and, and, you know, beating players on the dribble and turning players and using her strength. And I thought, okay, she can succeed. She can, she can do it at the, the highest level. And lo and behold, she's a world cup winner and she's starting in a world cup and she's balling. So mm-hmm. um, I, I loved to hear, you know, how much her parents me- meant to her, uh, the process, her sister pushing her. Uh, and then all of a sudden we see Christine Sam playing in this past match against Holland. Right. Here's a little glimpse back at that interview with Sam Lewis. I think that without each other, it would have been a lot harder for either of us to make it to this level. I think we pushed each other. We trained together. Um, and then just having someone so close to you, like get it 
and like know what it's like to not see your family and to miss birthdays and anniversaries. Um, she's literally FaceTiming me right now. Um, <laughs> answer. <laughs> answer. Answer. Want answer. me to answer? Answer. answer. Yeah, answer. Yeah, answer it. Christy. I'm on a podcast with Jordan, Angelie, and Charlie Javies, and I was just talking about you. Hi, Christy. Oh Hi, Christy. Hi, guys. <laughs> so BC I, Eagles, let's go. Let's go, BC Eagles. <laughs> Charlie, I think we have to mention one of the probably most powerful messages that we had was just our panel on racism mm-hmm. earlier in the summer. And for me, it was just a moment really to sit and listen and um, to hear some conversations and be a part of a conversation. And there was so much to be said there and a lot to learn and move forward from that, I believe, is kind of what I've took away from it. Just the rawness of it all. Um, You know, I think everyone sharing experiences that they maybe may have never shared before, uh, the feelings, the stereotypes, um, all of those things that really hurt you or bother you to the core. And just uh, making people aware, right? Just having people grow from from hearing these stories and experiences. I, I think we've come a long way already. Uh, still a ways to go, but I see progress. And I and I I would I would I would go on to say that many people um, in the soccer world have shown just uh, how much they want to help, how much they want to be part of the change, uh, the positive change, and so. Again, I'm very lucky to play this sport and, and to be a part of, of um, you know, so many wonderful people that, that really care. One of the people on the panel there was Zach Steffen. And you talk about doing something and changing and, and taking action. And he has taken action with Voice Now. And I think we should go back and listen to what he's talking about, about Voice Now and why he started it and what it means to him. I'm a big family person. Um, I always want to support the people who have supported me um, to, and really have been there for, for every step of the way. And, and, um, without them, my family, my friends, my, my, uh, my coaches, um, just my community supporting me, um, throughout the years, I want to be here, uh, where I am today. So, um, I want to give back. And after seeing all these, these, um, police videos and, and, as I get older and learn more about how America works and, and the, the world works, I want to really just lend a hand to the, the disadvantaged um, minorities and, and especially the, the black, my, uh, the black disadvantaged communities and families. Um, uh, yeah. Cause as athletes, I mean, there, we, we have such big platforms uh, that we can, really do a lot of good with we we mostly just do it for for personal gain um, whether that's money or or just followers or um, just to get your reputation up um, so I want to really use my platform that I've built and, and I'm going to continue to build um, for good and, and to help the people who aren't as supported um, and don't have all the resources that I did growing up. Now, it's great to reminisce in the mm-hmm. recap of 2020, mm-hmm. but let's look forward to 2021 and some of our dream guests. Who do you want to see? So let us know uh, on Twitter, oh, yeah. on Instagram, on Facebook, All YouTube. Let us know who you want to hear from in 2021. But I want to know, Jordan, who is your dream guest? Who, who, who would you like to see? First, my dream guest, I, I've always wanted this... I want like the family connection, the good, wholesome family okay. connections. 
So I'm saying the Reinas, Claudio and Gio Reina. I want to know stories from Gio looking up to his dad when he was younger and now his dad watching him. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. And I'm going to have to just piggyback off that and go with Timothy Weah and George Weah. Yep. I mean, Timothy Weah, we're recording this right now on December 3rd, 2020. He had an assist. He came into the match today. Europa League had an assist. Uh, George Weah. It's meant to be then. World player of the year, right? Is that good? A striker. Let's get them. So those two pairings, I think is phenomenal. I I love that. And for, for the women, I want to see Abby Wambach. Ooh. I want to get Abby and I don't know about a, a, a tandem. I, I'm trying to think of a tandem that would make sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know a tandem, but I'm going to go with, I'm, we could get a tandem of like, maybe like we haven't done like center back partners or people that play in like a position yeah. where they really have to um, work alongside each okay. other throughout a- the whole game. Abby and Alex Morgan together. Okay. Oh, okay, cool. Cause I was going to also say Alex Morgan would be really cool just cause it'll be into her comeback from pregnancy and, and what she's experienced. And um, also she has a few like probably pretty cool stories she could share, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, like just a couple. I agree. <laughs> um. Okay, so that's kind of our we, – we had to put it out there, right? So I know all those people are listening. They're going to say, sign me up, pencil me in. Not even pencil. Let's just say Sharpie. Sharpie us in. If you haven't done so already, make sure to download the official U.S. Soccer app. The U.S. Soccer app gives you immediate notification of match announcements, roster releases, and starting 11s. It's a really easy way to access TV information and all the great U.S. soccer content, including articles, highlights, interviews, behind-the-scenes videos, and that's right, you guessed it, podcasts. Now you can find it all in one centralized place. The official U.S. soccer app is the easiest way to follow the U.S. men's national team and the U.S. women's national team. The U.S. soccer app also allows you to vote for the official man or woman of the match exclusively in the app on match days. Search for U.S. Soccer in your app store and download the app today. And, of course, it's free. Let's go Let's go on. Let's move on to just what's going on, gone on with both the women's national team and the men's national team this year. Let's first go to the U.S. women's national team. And I think that we're really grateful that both these teams at the end of the year got another opportunity to compete. We hadn't seen them for probably the longest layoff that we've ever not seen a national team in a really long time. That's very vague, but I, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's been years since that has actually happened. And I think for the women, just what a tribute or what a showing from them when they just played the Netherlands um, last Friday, goals from Rose Lavelle, Christy Mewis. But what I think is most impressive is in a year where there hasn't been a lot of training, there mm-hmm. hasn't been a lot of team training, Uh, very few games that they could come and play a team like the Netherlands where a lot of those players are right now competing in various European markets. So they're playing games currently and they could show up like that. And, you know, there were moments that it looked like they hadn't been together for a while, but there were moments where it just didn't look like that at all, that, that the team was still clicking on all cylinders and really continuing to progress in their form under Vlako Andonovsky. You know what? Players have stepped up. The yeah. players that he's given a chance to, and 
I, I look at Lynn Williams is one of those players who, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't a part of the World Cup setup when they, they won and coming in and showing that she deserves to be there and using her athleticism, using her knowledge of the game, her runs, the timing of her runs to make a difference. And I, I feel that she could be one player to, to make a big difference for this team going forward. And, and you also have to look at how do some of these players transition as they get older, right? And, and I also see an opportunity for Rose Lavelle to make a, state, a, a claim at being the world player of the year because she, she, for me, has all of those tools to get her to that level. And it's all about consistency. And I think both for the national team, but also at Manchester City, we've seen her ha- have a little bit of trouble breaking in and getting into a rhythm. So I think that's going to allow her to grow and, and develop into being a little bit more resilient and challenging herself every day and pushing herself. Cause mm-hmm. you, once you get to that level, then it's, it's all go time 24 seven, you yeah. want to score a hat trick every single match. So I think when she, once she has that, the sky's the limit. Yeah. Well, well there are a lot of good storylines and you talk about resiliency there. Uh, Alex Morgan making her return to the pitch after um, the birth of her daughter, Charlie. And then you have Christy Mewis. Six years after her last cap, seven years after her last goal for the U.S. Women's National Team, she comes into the game and she just like trot on. She's like, I'm going to just do the thing that I've come here to do, which is score a goal and make it look so easy. How did she make it look so easy? Uh, <laughs> I, I ask myself that all the time. <laughs> just, I guess when you, when you got it, you got it. And yeah. I've, you know, I've seen players score goals and they make it look so difficult and it is difficult, but I've also seen players make those difficult goals look easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the easy goals look like a, a child could do them. Um, so yeah, I guess kudos to, yeah. to, to the Amazing. skills. <laughs> and it was pretty cool in the last game too. There were two players that made their debut both from Colorado, just saying Charlie, Sophia Smith and Jalen Howell. They were both born after that famous 1999 World Cup victory for the women, and they made their full national team debuts. How old do you feel? Don't even. <laughs> <laughs> you too. I think. Uh, we're yeah, all the same yeah, song. yeah, yeah. I feel old as hell when you say that, but oh, I mean, uh, that's what you want to see, right? Uh, it's when you know you have continued to develop players that are going to make a difference are, are going to kind of transition in and you see some of the older players um, for the U S women's national team that, that have been able to do it consistently for a long time, but we all know it. there's always that point yeah. where it comes to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, so having those young players learn as much as they can from those, those veterans. And so when they do get yeah. their opportunity, it's, it's uh, I guess a easier transition to have success and, you know, Vlatko talked about the competitiveness. Yeah. And I think it's a wake-up call for some of those those younger younger women who come into the camp and they're like, whoa, this this is how they compete? Like, okay, like, I'm all about it. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that adjustment period is is great the younger it happens um, for, for, some of these, for, for some of these women. Okay, Charlie. So I think, like we did with the podcast, let's look ahead for the U.S. Women's National Team 2021. And beyond. Let's just leave it open-ended there. Mm-hmm. 2021, though, big year, an Olympic year. And I think one of the most difficult things that's going to happen in this year for Vlako Andonofsky is figuring out a way to narrow his roster down. 
I don't know how you do it. Well, this is my question to you, Jordy. Megan Rapino, Carly Lloyd, are they still a big part of this team in the Olympics? It's a great question. I don't, I don't know. And I think that, I think that they're going to want to make that statement that they are, because I don't think either one of them, I don't know, from my perspective, I don't know if they're ready to stop playing. Um, so they're going to want to try to challenge that. But if you take those two players away, well, that narrows the roster down a little bit at least. Right. But then right. you throw in players. And I think one of the things that I've noticed about the U.S. Women's National Team is they're always looking for a variety, especially in their wingers, because they have these technicians, right? Tobin Heath, Megan Rapino. They both can beat you with speed, but they've also tried to balance that with a player who is a little bit just more speed, like mm-hmm. a Mallory Pugh. Mm-hmm. And I think you get that with Lynn Williams. Maybe the end product isn't quite there yet, and she still needs to continue to hone that in. But is it going to be Sophia Smith or Lynn Williams or Mallory Pugh? Because I don't think you can take all of them. Well, you definitely right. can't, right? No. And so how do you how do you narrow down spots like that with three very different players um, when when the roster size is so much smaller? I think for, for a coach, you look at who has the most upside and potential. So it's always good to say when, you know, a, a young player – Will, will grow immensely from being a part of a team and maybe not playing all that much, but being there just to learn, you know, be there at the training sessions and take it all in. So she's ready for the next big tournament. And right. then there's the, the two players out of the, out of the three that you're like, I need them. I need to depend on game changers coming off the bench. If they're not starting uh, players that I can, I, that I'm confident in that, that I've seen perform for club and country. So I think for, for Vlaco, it's, it's just assessing, who continues to develop, who continues to play well. Yeah. And it should be noted that uh, Carly Lloyd does pretty good when people doubt her. But it is exciting because, and we heard, we saw a really cool video this week um, that the the staff for the U.S. Women's National Team put together of their camp. And Tobin, he's talking about what you were just saying, these veterans who know the culture, who it's instilled in them. And then these youngsters who come in and, you know, shift it a little bit and mix it up a little bit. And for me, if we're talking about who do we hope that will break out, and and I know that there's some underlying um, rules happening here with Katarina Macario, but if she's eligible to play, she brings something to a midfield who's super solid, and I don't know if it's the easiest place to try to break into this team, but Katarina Macario is a name that if she doesn't break into the team in 2021 well she's going to be in the team if she decides to play with the U.S. because in her time at Stanford Charlie she has been phenomenal I got to call a lot of those games two-time Herman Trophy winner 63 goals in 68 mm. games Mm-mm-mm. yeah yeah <laughs> shout out to to you for calling that out and shout out to 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 Kat um for saying you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna do this I'm gonna push yeah. myself to put myself uh, in a position to represent the U.S. Yeah, so a lot of – and there's so many players, right? We could talk forever, and I feel like we kind of are because this is what we love to do. We love yes. to talk about these things, and we love to talk about the players coming through, not only the women's national team, but the men. Mm-hmm. And, Charlie, we not only got to just see them play a couple of games a few weeks ago over in Europe, but we get to see them again in just a few days. Yes, and I think what we've seen over the past year is Greg Berhalter – just adjusting, adapting to 
the landscape and making the most of, of these national team camps, considering he had, he has a number of things to deal with, with COVID and, and uh, travel restrictions. And I'm super pumped that we had the opportunity to see the U.S. men in action twice during their European camp last month. And we'll see them take the field again next week versus El Salvador. Whether for club or for country, we've seen many new faces emerge over these last few months. And maybe some more established veterans like Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney, and Sergio Dest really take the next jump in their careers and compete with the very best in the world. Look, Looking back on 2020, for you, Jordy, which individuals in the U.S. men's national team pool most impressed you in their performances with their clubs? First off, I'm just like, it, it's crazy that we can call these players veterans. Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney, yeah, Serginho right. Dest. It's just like, it's it's so cool. And that's why it's crazy, I think, is that the the youth of this team and the vibrancy of them is you feel it and it has like a heartbeat to it. And I love that. And so I, I think when we talk about who most impressed me, you have to talk about the restart and you have to talk about Christian Pulisic and what he did with Chelsea because it was ridiculous. And it's hard to believe that that happened this year. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, four, <laughs> four goals and four assists uh, since the restart scored against Aston Villa scored against Manchester city scored against crystal palace and he scored against Liverpool. He had a goal and assist against Liverpool. Red, red hot, like yeah. f- the fires and, and, and really putting the world on alert that we, he's a gem. He is a gem and no longer a hidden gem, a, a, a gem that Frank Lampard can depend on. Now, I think the only thing for Christian is just staying healthy. That's it. That's the only thing keeping him back at the moment. So we wish him the best uh, with, with, with his health. And Weston McKinney has been, and Tyler Adams have been really consistent. I think Tyler, mm-hmm. Tyler Adams last year, Champions League scoring in Champions League, mm-hmm. kind of was like, everyone was like, what? Um, that was great to see him with RB Leipzig. And then Weston McKinney this this past season, uh, this current season with Juve, playing with Cristiano Ronaldo, Andrea Pirlo is the manager, and and playing, starting, meaningful minutes, meaningful matches. That is so encouraging. So what I'm really optimistic about and what I've loved about 2020 for the U.S. men's national team's perspective is solidified in the midfield are Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams. I think that showed me we don't have to worry about our, our midfield with, with those two players really in the, in the center of the park. Sergino Dest locking him down as our right back mm. or left back, wherever he is, but committing to the United States. Can what a player. Him? No, I'm just kidding. Right? Like, what a player. So I'm really, really optimistic. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's, I think it's, it's hard for a lot of people to be optimistic because of 2018, yeah. but you're like, throw that in the window when yeah. you're seeing all of these guys playing in Champions League now, week in and week out. You can't, you can't talk about these players. Are they getting, you know, significant minutes? Are they play? Yeah, they're all playing. And now we just need to see them in the, in the same jersey. I'm going to throw somebody else out there that actually plays in MLS that I have seen grow significantly over the year. Okay. And I actually talked to him about him on, on my MLS podcast, MLS Assist, earlier in the year. And I said, there's things that he does that a good center back in the league doesn't doesn't miss those little opportunities. He doesn't not move after he plays the ball to create another angle. He doesn't turn off in certain moments. And the growth I've seen from Mark McKenzie over a season in Philadelphia makes me say, this, this guy's going somewhere. And I think that it, the, 
it was so much growth in, in the little things in his game. It's not, I mean, he has it all, right? But there's little moments that I think really separate the good from the great. And I saw, I started seeing those moments come together. So I'm, I'm impressed by him and I'm excited to see what opportunities might lie for him as a center mm-hmm. back in a Greg Burhalter want to play out of the back type of system because he could be that guy. Um, you're spot on again because that's one of the players that I think will, will have the biggest jump in 2021 uh, from, from U.S. men's national team perspective because when you look at John Brooks and who he's partnered with, I think he has to have a player who can play with both feet. Um, and a player who can cover ground because John Brooks likes to go up for challenges because typically he wins them. He's a big guy. But if he doesn't, having that that player who can be compatible with John Brooks and mm-hmm. Mark McKenzie yes. has played with a different center back, you know, this <laughs> every year. Every other game. Every other game. It's, <laughs> is it Jack Elliott? Is it Jacob Glessness? I, I don't know. And he's been the one constant in the back for the Philadelphia Union. So uh, I think that's a spot on uh, uh, suggestion. But I also like Jordan Morris. I think yeah. Jordan Morris is a player uh, who's playing domestically with Seattle Sounders, who is who's made a, a big jump in his presence within the match. Because typically it's just it was just north south with Jordan Morris. Now there's uh, you know the hold up play, trying to break down a team with combination play, and his first touch has improved, and his awareness of where Rui Diaz is and and where Nico Ladero is. Just I think with that skill set it'll be a big advantage for the U.S. men's national team because you have flexibility because he can play on both sides. He can play up top as the number nine. And uh, that's an area where the U.S. need to, to get stronger. So yeah, a lot to look forward to. All right. And one of the things that is we're looking forward to 2021, but in 2021, Charlie, Olympic qualifying, mm-hmm. Olympics, Nations League final, CONCACAF Gold Cup, World Cup qualifying. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, it's, so, so... When I list all those things, there's one thing that comes out like sticks in my mind as to what we need to get out of this men's national team. What do you what is key for you? Consistency mm. and health. And so yeah. I think if if 2020 did anything for any player, it's all of these matches in a short amount of time and the in the travel. Yeah. They're ready for 2021. Because now you know how to prepare yourself mentally, physically for, for this workload. And also the, the balance, the travel, leaving Europe to come to, back to the United States to play in these World Cup qualifiers or to play in Central America. You have to be really professional, dialed in to your body, the nutrition part, the sleep mm-hmm. part, and then just being consistent with your performances. I think for Greg Berhalter, it's always been, I just need, I just want to camp. Just give me a, give me some time with these guys. I get so excited, but I only have them for a short amount of time. So I I just want to see in 2021, them coming together, them having their ideas, which I think they already know now how how to play with this last camp um, in Europe. And so I'd like to see Yunus Musa commit. And that would be, Ooh, that would be what an addition, but then, then everyone else just healthy. And and so now we can get these guys together and, and often. Well, you're talking about rest, and I'm I'm thinking they're going to have to limit the times that they're playing their video games to not creep too far into the <laughs> the nighttime, right? Yeah, I had to worry about that early on in the career for sure. Right. Um, the one thing I think about is just depth, and I think that what is going to help from this year is having these two different camps and seeing the depth in Europe and seeing the depth in the United States. Mm-hmm. 
because when you talk about that many games and you said consistency, I also think there's a consistency in who can come in and out of camp, which sounds weird, but being comfortable coming into camp, maybe you didn't get called into the last one, but knowing that you can come in and have a role and be valuable to the team, no matter what, because I think that, you know, things happen and people might not be available and due to whatever it may be to know that you're there, you have a variety of players who are comfortable in camp, I think is really key and actually a real benefit of these two different camps and two different continents. Yeah. You're, you're, you're really, you're, you're on one today. Yeah. I would say you're, you're, you are smart. I think you're, you're very intelligent, but Thank um, you. yeah, I, it, it's going to take a group effort because this team is not loaded with veterans, not loaded with experienced international players, right? So they're all kind of gaining, they're going through this process together and they're learning how to, how to deal with playing in Mexico at Azteca when it means something, not a friendly, when it means something and the whole country's behind them and it's a jam stadium and going to, let's say Honduras and, and playing there. Uh, though, when you have those experiences, it changes you. Playing in Trinidad, it changes you. You have to know how to get success and how to get results. And sometimes it's not going to be pretty. But when it when it gets to those points, when you when you can't connect passes because the field's not cut right or there's divots or or it's waterlogged, how do you how do you regroup? How do you come together to say, you know what? No matter what we have to deal with, we got to do it together and we're going to get these results because we're a family, we're a team. And I think what Greg Berhalter has done, I think to 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 the best of his ability is making sure that these guys understand what it means to represent the country. When you come into camp, the the right feeling, how it should feel like it should feel like, man, I, I'm excited to come go see my family. It, like that's what, when you leave your club, yeah. it's like, Oh, I can't wait to get back with my guys. Cause that's how it was for us in, in 2009. Um, and, and you know, I, I get the sense that, that that's exactly how it is. We already talked about them having a group chat. Like, yes, it, this is what I want to see from them. And all these matches that they're going to play in 2021 are, are vital to their success, not only in 2022, but in 2026. Mm. I saw Jim Curtin said that the U.S. should be vying for a World Cup championship in 2026. Mm-hmm. Do, I, I, it, I kind well, of feel the same. But why wouldn't you? I mean, Why wouldn't you? Be, I, I say that just because I don't want to – continue to go back to my time in the, the, the world uh, with the U S men's national team, but let's but say you speak from experience. I don't think it's but like 2002, right? The U S men's national team loses to Germany one nil off a, you know, literally a handball that could have gone the other way and the U S get there. Then you're continuing their, right. on. They get a red card and they get a, their penalty and ensure they get to the, maybe they get to the final against Brazil. That that's not out of the realm of possibility. And that was 2002. We've, we go to 2010, 2009 confederations cup. We beat Spain. They hadn't lost in two years about. And they go on to win the World Cup in 2010. We get to a final. We lose to Brazil 3-2. Why can't we get to a final? And then 2026, you're talking about a young group of players right now who are all playing Champions League, gaining Mm -hmm. valuable minutes. For now seven years. They have been playing for six years when 2026 Together, right? Together. It, you'd course. be crazy not to think they yeah. can win. Yeah, I and, love and, it. And on their home soil. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, 
And also you mentioned something about scoring at Azteca. If people have questions, are they able to call you directly or yeah, they, how they does all that work? They all, they all have my tech, my number. They can text okay. me, call. Okay, text uh, you if you need yeah. any a scoring at Azteca. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, perfect. Okay, Charlie, one more question about the men's national team before we kind of finish with what's going on here in MLS and then mm-hmm. say goodbye for 2020. Uh, question. My question to you is, who do you think the most important player is to this group for qualifying. Now we're going into World mm-hmm. Cup qualifying because if if qual if COVID didn't happen, we would have already started World Cup qualifying for the men. It would have happened in September, started in September. There would have been we would have been six matches into it, which is wild, right? So that all changes. Now we're really anticipating and preparing for those those qualifications again. Who who's that player for you? This one's a difficult question because yeah. I think it, it comes down to two players. You told me I was on my A game. So. You are. So I think <laughs> it comes down to two players. Christian Pulisic being healthy. I think he's gained some valuable experience being, uh, you know, playing in 2016, 17, or 17, 18, failing to lose a, uh, to qualify for World Cup. That feeling, mm-hmm. using it to kind of Festus. push you, right? It's festering. Is that the, the, right the disappointment, word? yeah, it is. Okay. It's building up, festering. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. the disappointment, right? Then going to Chelsea, those expectations and people being like, "Oh, you're not. He's not going to play at that level." Breaking through and not only playing at that level, excelling, being a star, being the key player for at Chelsea Champions League club. So him coming in with all that experience that he's had and using it to to elevate himself within the international game, and then Tyler Adams. You know, this is a player everyone respects. Everyone looks at him as a captain, right? He's done so well with RB Leipzig and put himself in a position to, you know, really showcase what he can do and, and do it on the international level. And it's his way, his, I think it's his, his body of work has shown me that he's ready for this opportunity and he's got that character. So I think those two players are really the core of the national team. That is, that is what everything is going to come off of those two players, how well they are, how, how prepared they are, how much they engage everybody. I think when you look at World Cup qualifying, the results are going to fall. I don't want to say it's going to fall on those yeah. two, but those two are really important to, to the team's success. Yeah. My, my player would be Tyler Adams, mm-hmm. just because he, he wants that, right? He wants – when you're a captain, you, you shoulder some of that because that's what you do. Right. And you say, I want to take responsibility, good, bad, ugly, beautiful. This is what I'm going to do. And I think he's ready for that. He's when we chatted with him, he, he said, that's what I, I hope to be is the captain of this squad. And so I loved him saying that and putting it out there. So, um, but again, another tough decisions or there will be tough decisions for Greg Berhalter, just like there will be for Vlako and Anofsky because these pools of players are just getting so much better and better. And you love to see it. You really you, do. You, you do. And so I ask you, because you've been on your A game. Ooh, what, okay. What do you think is going to be the biggest challenge for the team in 2021? It's hard to anticipate that because I think we really don't know what we're looking at in the future, right? Like, the, it, I think that now more than ever, we just don't know what's going to happen next. Um, or maybe we're just more aware of it because we never really know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the biggest challenges will fi- be figuring out a way to 
I talked about how it's been a benefit to have these two different camps in Europe and in the US, but how can you figure out who are the best that are going to work together from those two sets of players? Because I think that that's going to be the most challenging with whatever travel looks like and restrictions look like or lack thereof. That's always the hardest part, right? Because you're taking different styles and different knowledge and trying to mesh them, but also relying on personality and how players work off of each other. That's always the the hardest part is figuring out the relationships and the uh, different combinations of players. So well, for me, think, that's You got to think, think most of the European players are, are going to be involved. So it's only going to be a few of the current U.S. Mm-hmm. players based here that are going to be pushing yeah. minute, pushing for minutes or pushing to get in the squad. So I think the biggest challenge is health. Yeah. And, and, and just keep keeping guys healthy. Like we said, there's going to be a lot of games in a short amount of time. So getting these players to all come into camp healthy uh, without any nagging injuries and with all mi- minutes under their belts from their clubs, I think that'll be the biggest challenge. But I'm excited. Yeah, I think we all are excited. All right, Charlie, we're going to take a little bit of a break, but coming back after this break, we're going to talk MLS Cup playoffs. You versus me, me versus you. Here we go. Guess what? Next week is U.S. Soccer's Fan Week, the week-long celebration from Monday, December 7th through Friday, December 11th. Be on the lookout on our social channels for daily offers from the official U.S. Soccer store as well as daily giveaways from U.S. Soccer and its participating partners. Well, we've got more business to take care of here, Charlie. We've got MLS Cup playoffs finishing up, and it's a battle royale. It's you versus me. I mean, it's the New York Rams versus the Columbus Crew. Can you believe it? I can. Yeah, I mean, me too. (laughs) I think my dog is barking because she's so excited. Um, Oh, yeah, but uh, yeah. Um, uh, is that you know, her revs cheer bark or the crew one? I forget. I think it was the revs one. Oh, um, yeah. She does the crew usually. The crew one's like a little bit like behind your back. Rah. It's like a, it's a little <laughs> bit less, you know. It's not as powerful. Uh, See, yeah, that's a oh. revs bark. Yeah. Well, you said you were talking about the crew. And she spoke <laughs> up. Uh, but this is exciting, Charlie, because I think for you, both you and I, we have these. I know that you've called games with the with the revs before, but this was really your first year right? Full year with them Yes, in the, the role that you were having with them on TV and same with me with the crew. And, um, you know, I look at 2020 and it has, there, we've all faced different challenges and, and moving to a new place in the midst of it has been a challenge for me personally, but I just couldn't be more grateful to have the experience of working for the crew and the club that they are and getting this role and getting to, um, also watch you flourish too. So it's been pretty cool. So I'm going to be nice before I give you some heat. You are so sweet. Um, <laughs> I have to say, but, I've, buttering I've, them up people. I've, I've also enjoyed <laughs> listening to you, by the way. I, I think you've done a great job in, in your first year with the crew. I think you've, you've really excelled. I, I can see your, your progress and how you're dialed in. Um, so I also want to give you a, a big shout out for, just doing it, just going out there, performing and, and, um, you know, showing that, yeah, you, you got what it takes to be, um, one of the big, Josie even told me that the other day, Josie tweeted at me and said, you're spot on all day. I was like, excuse me. 
Josie Altador? Is that you? <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, like you're, you're doing really well. Um, I appreciate that. So, I really do. And and I give a huge shout out to Brad Feldman from from the Revs. Uh, he's he's been the voice of the Revs since '96, oh really. Gosh, so, right? um, you know, working with him has been great. Uh, I, I've learned a lot. You know, he's, he pushes me. He challenges me a, a mm-hmm. lot as well uh, in the booth. So that's been great. And so we get to the mm. point where give me your reason why the crew will beat the revs. How, how do they beat them and, and why? How do does the Columbus crew beat the revs? Mm-hmm. Well, first off, the crew have been almost perfect at home. And they have this aura about them when they're playing at Moffray Stadium that I just really think is just an intimidation factor. And I want to just say the crew as a, as a team and their ability to have an identity, I think was one of the first identities we saw for a team this year in, in major league soccer. And you guys, I know you talked about it a lot on extra time is you knew who the crew were, you knew what they were going to do, but it was still hard to, to beat. And the reason I think that they're back where they were after a little bit of a lull and both of our teams had a lull, they are just clicking on these different cylinders and they have the defensive presence back, not giving up a goal in their last game, but they also have their best players scoring and Jossie's artist and Lucas Celerion. Um, they've had three, go- Jossie's had three goals in the last three games. Lucas has had three assists in the last three games. Those are things you want to do. So um, yeah. And we have Darlington Nagby, which I'm always going to shout him out because and Jonathan Mensa. So I'm just going to keep going through the whole team. That's why we're going to win is because the crew is the better team, Charlie. Okay. I, I love that. Um, and my rebuttal to, to your crew being the revs is Mafray stadium didn't really work out in 2014. It's not what, that, all I, that I, I intimidating. Is, um, yeah, it's 2020 new team. I get it. But as far as the stadium, I think if, if anything, we learned this year, the away matches are not the same without mm. the supporters there. Right. Oh, we have supporters on Sunday. Full? Not full. Right. But so they are loud and they no, are mean. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. So I would say one, the revs are better on the road this year. Okay. So that that um Then they are at home. That that works, but yeah, that works that works in the Revs' favor almost, playing on the road. Um and then I, I look at Carlos Heel, who is arguably the, the best midfielder um in the league at, at his position. He's, he's just as good as uh, Nico Ladero this year, just as good as Alejandro Pozuelo. He's fit, and they haven't had him fit all year. So now we're seeing the difference with Carlos Hill in the field, on the field. And then you see Gustavo Bo, how what he looks like on the pitch when Carlos Hill's there, and Adam Buxa, who has really struggled all year because you had the absence of Carlos Hill in, in that service. Now he's just responsible of staying in the box, finishing. Matt Turner's in the back. Probably the second best goalie in the U.S. men's national team pool right now. Yeah. He's, he's been that good. The only concern for the Revs is their defensive midfield pairing, which was Matt Polster and Scott Caldwell. That is going to be a challenge when you're talking about Lucas Zillarion and mm-hmm. Nagby and even Arter. Just how, how much ground he covers, good, to, good, good with the challenges and starting the attacks, right? I think for the Revs, if they're able to lock down the midfield and bypass when they're in possession, bypass Scott, Scott Caldwell and Matt Polster and just play into the channels and use Tejon Which B- you guys do. Buchanan. Yeah. Yeah, but sometimes they, they have used Some, the yeah. midfield. I think the Revs have a good shot 
of beating Columbus Crew because they have those finishers and, and, and the players in Columbus, to, not to their fault, but they haven't really been challenged with the teams that they've played. They're not playing the Philadelphia Union every week. They're not playing. Yeah, York. but we beat them twice when we played them. Uh, yeah, the, I'd say the, the last <laughs> one, they didn't have Andre Blake. Uh, it's a big difference. Uh, you know what, though, Charlie? Mm-hmm. I think this is the best game we'll see in the MLS Cup playoffs. As far as game goes, tactics go. Because um, both of these teams, I think with Bruce Arena, one of the, I think he has, if not the best winning percentage in MLS Cup no, playoffs. it's the best. Well, the, it's the best with as many uh, a number of games that he has. Right. He has the most wins. He, most wins. But his percentage of, of wins is up there. I think it's top two. I think Brian Schmetzer is above yeah. him, which he's had less games. So is what you're saying. But with Bruce Arena against Caleb Porter, it's it's these two these two coaches who Bruce has been there forever. Caleb has you know worked his way into being a, a very well known and well respected coach in Major League Soccer. But also talked today about how he looks up to Bruce Arena being the best uh, men's or being the best American coach. Ah, uh, see, she, in, he's trying to do history. what you just did to me to start this conversation. No, but I think that this is what's cool about it is they both they both. Um, are very good at tactics. And I think that they're going to both throw something at us that neither one of us are going to see or talk about right now, mm-hmm. but we're going to be like, wow, that was really interesting that they combated this part of the revs offense. Like you just said with said with this defensive tactic. So I think this is going to be the best game that the MLS club playoffs has in the, just in the Eastern conference or just period, just period. All right. My question to you is what happens if the crew lose? Like, does it change anything? Oh. No, like does no, it, you just lose. That's yeah. What happens. But like, as far as like the next year, what oh. do you what what does it do for Columbus? Because you you move into a new stadium next year. No? Yeah, I don't okay. think it. I I yeah. Like, is that a oh, success? Yeah. Would you say it's a successful season? I think it's disappointing. disappointing I mean, it, everybody's going to be disappointed if they make it this far and they don't make it to the cup, don't you think? Yeah, but but I, would, I wouldn't think. Would you still I say think you'd be a, disappointed? But I don't think you would say the season is a disappointment. Yeah, would you say it was a successful season? getting to an Eastern Conference final? Yeah, I think you would be disappointed if you lost, but you would think the season overall and the way that the crew played, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And yeah. for you too, I think that the way the Rebs have progressed over the year, you can't look at this year and be like, oh, well, Oh yeah, you, what an awful year. No. You guys have grown so much. So yeah. um, the one thing that I think is really up in the air is like, you did beat me on one thing this year, Charlie. Mm. Your shoe game was pretty good. Thank you. Thank really you. Really good. Yeah. Thank you. And, and the thing is, do you have shoes picked out for our Sunday? I do. Mm. I do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna wear them. I'll just, let you know. Just, okay. Let us know. Let us yeah. know. We'll, Actually, we'll be... yeah, they're right here. Actually, in oh. the box. <laughs> Got to keep them there. I keep until them. Game yeah, day. I keep them there for game yeah. day. They're, they haven't been released yet. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Is this your pregame superstition, or do you like to wear a, a fun new? I, I do like to wear like proper Nikes. Yeah. That, but with that cr- crazy socks though. Like you go for the. Uh, no, sometimes I, I'm not a crazy sock guy. Majority you got to balance time I let, it depends yeah. on what yeah, you're Yeah, it depends wearing. on the okay. sneaker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, at least you can win at something. So what? So what's our wager? <laughs> uh, our wager. Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. I don't know. Do I send you a revs kit? A full kit? Yeah. You got to wear it. You got to rock a full revs kit. 
socks, yeah, I mean, shorts, and and how for a whole day or like what's the deal? Like I yeah, have to wear it to what? Uh, I want to I want to say like you got to rock it for a whole day, like in probably in the summer when you can but the wear thing shorts. That- good point the thing is i don't have i don't know what i could give you for that like i don't have a a crew kit just lying around you know yeah i go to the equipment manager and i I don't have a crew uh, revs kits just (laughs) hanging out in my closet i don't know you played for them at one point (laughs) like who knows no i have to go get i have to go get the kit and then i don't have those types of connections angeli put on the back oh wow you're going all out well i don't i i don't know let's think maybe people can tell us what the wager is okay yeah how about that all right, okay. let's get the let's get the crew. Send fans. us your wagers. Yep. All right, Charlie. It's been so much fun talking and reminiscing about 2020. Looking forward to 2021. Having a little banter about our teams here in MLS Cup playoffs. But I think before we go, we have to give a shout out to the people that actually keep this whole thing running. Don't you think? We got to uh, we got to talk about them. One hundred percent. It's been an awesome year. We've grown a lot. And I have to thank everybody who's put this together to allow yeah. us to have so much fun and to have so many great guests. Yeah. So shout out to Jeff Crandall, MC Barrett, Brian Horn. Look at that. I mean, this, this is really the dream team and so excited that we get to work with them day in and day out and uh, that they help us provide you guys with these great interviews of not only current national team players, former national team players, um, referees, doctors, we can't forget them. We yeah, talked to them behind as well. the crest, right? So it's been honestly a pleasure getting to talk to you guys through this year. And Charlie, there's so much more to come, man. Oh, we're we're just getting started. We are just getting started. So everybody, thank you again for listening and downloading and subscribing. And uh, we're gonna come out with with more venom next next year in 2021. We're gonna start <laughs> off with a bang. Oh, I love it. That was that a like don't tread on me. We're gonna get basically Clint, Dem- Clint Dempsey. Oh yeah, yeah. He's, okay, he's gonna be a part of this okay, for sure. Perfect, perfect. All right. Um, so long, everybody. Thanks for listening to the U.S. Soccer Podcast. Be on the lookout on our social channels for daily offers from the U. Oh, be on the lookout on our. Be on the lookout on our. Be on the lookout on our social channels for daily offers from the U.S. Soccer Store, the official. Be on the lookout on our U.S. Soccer, no. Be on the lookout on our social channels for daily offers from the official U.S. Soccer Store, as well as sweet, as well as a suite of daily, huh?